This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Good evening. Before we get started, I would like to thank you all for taking time out of your day to come and hear what we have to say and to encourage us while we give you our lessons. I'm hoping that Gavin, Daniel, and my lessons will be edifying and influential to you in some way. To begin, I'd like to share a story. In a country area, a farmer was tending to his horse named Buddy. And along came a stranger who desperately needed the farmer's help. The stranger had lost control of his vehicle and ran it into a cliff. So the stranger asked the farmer if his horse could somehow pull the vehicle out of the ditch for him. The farmer said he would come, bring his horse, and take a look. The farmer saw that the vehicle was small, so he took a rope and he fixed it to the car and the horse, and so, so, and he fixed it to the horse so that the horse would be able to pull the vehicle out of the ditch. The farmer then said, pull, Casey, pull, but the horse did not budge. The farmer then said, pull, Bailey, pull, the, but the horse would not budge again. The farmer then said, pull, Mandy, pull, and again, the horse would not move. The farmer then said, pull, Buddy, pull. The horse then pulled until the vehicle was out of the ditch. The stranger was very grateful, but asked the farmer why he called the horse by different names. The farmer said, Buddy is blind, and I had to make him think he had help pulling the car out of the ditch, or else he would not have pulled. This farmer understood the power of influence, and, and the horse shows the difference that it can make in someone's actions so tonight my lesson will be on influence, and there are three things that I would like to look at. One, what does influence look like? Two, what, what it means to be a bad influence, and three, how can we be good influences? So for my first point, I would like to, example, or I would like to examine what influence looks like. The definition of influence is the power or capacity of causing an effect or indirect or intelligible ways sway any mention of spiritual or moral force. Influence is the power that people and things around a person over them. Influence isn't physically pushing someone in a direction, but instead is a spiritual and moral examples that others can see and experience. Some examples of people with influence might be your older siblings or your friends or your parents. These people are influential. When you see them doing something, and because you look up to them and want their approval, you, are under, you will want to do that too. Or if you're under their authority, you might automatically want to act as they do. We have all heard of the person who sees all of their friends jump off a cliff into water, and this makes the onlooking friend want to do that too. Sometimes it might not be an action you want to copy, but is the way that someone acts. If you're around someone with a certain personality, you'll start picking up stuff from that personality and you'll start acting like that too. You become like those people you are around. This may be a good or a bad thing. For example, we've heard our parents ask, asking their kids, if your friends jumped off of a bridge, 
would you jump too? You will jump off of that bridge. If, even if it could bring you harm, if you allowed the person to influence you enough. It's the same with others. If someone sees you doing something like, say, skip out on a workout or steal a lollipop from a store, and you have enough influence on that person, they will probably do that too. Usually influence comes from your peers. You typically don't see a five, you typically don't see a toddler do something and decide you're going to do that too. Mostly it's going to be people older than you or the, a person the same age as you. One person may not, influence, may not influence everyone, but the truth is everyone influences someone. This brings me to my second point. What, what it means to be a bad influence. So what, is, what does someone mean when they say something or someone is a bad influence? Just a few things that influence, that influence us are music, friends, social media, or just people around us in general. How can we know if, these, if those things are influence, influencing us in a bad way, and how can we avoid that? One way to tell if something is influencing us is a bad influence is by changes in our behavior. Sometimes we need others to point out those changes because we won't always see the changes for ourselves. It may seem completely normal, which is why bad influence can be so dangerous. In Proverbs thir chapter 13, verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes the wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. In, in the New Testament, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. The influence of foolish people will hurt you because they encourage you to behave as foolishly as they do. And a fool is not known for their self-awareness. We need friendships with wise people who can, ask, who can ask someone we are close to to see if they have seen us acting in a negative way. The people you are around determine what determine how you act and what kind of person you are towards others and how you influence others. You could be the best person in the world, but all of that could change just by the people you are around. So in other words, this can work one of two ways. One, I will influence you into doing what I'm doing, or two, you will influence me into doing what you're doing. Knowing this, are we bad influences ourselves? People tend to do what seems most enjoyable, and they will get, and they will get others to do the same. Is Hebrew chapter 11, verse 25 true about us? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin, or of, of sin for season. Do we enjoy the things of God or the pleasures of sin? Here's a real world example. Would you rather sleep and play video games all day or go to work at your local McDonald's and tell 10,000 people that the ice cream machine has been broken for the past seven years? If you don't enjoy the things of God, you're naturally going to want to sleep or play video games. If you, do, if you do enjoy the things of God, it may be harder to do what's right because of the, of the temptation to enjoy the pleasures of sin for, the season, for a season. But you will make yourself a good influence to others. And that leads me to my final point. How can we be good influences? The best way to avoid bad influences is to make yourself a good influence. This has to be something we are purposeful about because... Doing what you want to do is easier than doing what God wants you to do. 
It can be hard to be a good influence to others, and it is impossible when you, are trying, when you are falling victim to bad influences. Like the horse in our story, sometimes a hard thing can be accomplished when we believe we are not alone. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. And in Matthew 15, chapter, chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt, has, if the, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing then but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and set it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine so let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do good works in God's name so that when people see it, they will also praise God. When you see someone do something good, you think, wow, that's a good person. When they do it for the glory of God, you think, wow, that's a faithful Christian who loves their God. This doesn't mean go out and make sure every little thing you do gets recognized. There's a difference between doing something good for God and doing something good for yourself. I have one final verse I want to look at. Titus 2, 7. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and dignity. We are not just being a good influence for ourselves, but for others. People won't want to act badly around someone who is always being a good influence because they care about someone who has a lot of dignity and, res and is respectful thinks about them. In conclusion, we have looked at three points regarding influence. One, what does influence look like? Two, what it means to be a bad influence. And three, how can we be a good influence? So be a good influence because it helps not only yourself but also others. And it will help to lead others in the right direction. You may influence a person who is a bad influence when they see you being a good influence to stop and see that what they are doing, they could do better. Thank you for your kind attention. Hopefully you gained something from this study that I have made. At this time, I'll turn the services back to, or I'll turn the services over to Daniel. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, I'm going to be speaking on kindness and gentleness. And I'm going to be asking the question, why are we supposed to be kind? Ephesians 4, verse 32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving each other, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, God directly tells us to be kind in this verse, but he doesn't stop there. He tells us the reason why, as God in Christ forgave you. And if God can forgive us, for literally crucifying his son, then we can forgive each other for anything in this world. Psalms 31 verse 21 says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his loving kindness to me when I was in a besieged city. David tells us that he was in danger, and God saved him by showing him his loving kindness. Psalms 36 verse 7 says, How precious is your loving kindness, O God! The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. God's loving kindness is so precious. And it says in this verse that ch the children of mankind 
take refuge in the shadow of his wings. God protects us like a mother bird protects its young. And we could not last a moment without his protection. Psalms 40 verse 10 says, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your faithfulness. In three different ways, David tells us that he tells other people about God's loving kindness. And he specifically says, I have not concealed your loving kindness and faithfulness. Psalm 63 verse 3 says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. I want everyone to imagine one thing that they've always wanted that's just so cool, so amazing, because they've always wanted it since they were a kid. It's one material thing. And I'm going to ask this question. Would you give up your life for that one thing? No. Our lives are more important than any material thing on this earth. And yet, it says in the Bible, in God's word, that his loving kindness is better than life. Psalms 86 verse 15 says, But you, O Lord, are merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness. He is abounding in loving kindness. He has an infinite amount. He gives it freely to everyone. If you think back at that thing that you had in your mind, it probably costs a good sum of money. But God's loving kindness, he gives it to us for free. And God is not the only one who can show kindness. Man can show kindness in many different ways. In Acts 28, verse 2, says, The native people of Malta showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because of the rain and the cold. Paul says that the native people showed them unusual kindness. So what made this kindness so unusual? Well, the first word after the first comma is for, F-O-R. And a synonym for for is since. So Paul is actually going to tell us what made their kindness so unusual. And that was their hospitality. He said they kindled a fire for us and welcomed us all because of the rain and the cold. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Correcting someone is very hard sometimes. But notice how Paul doesn't say just anyone should correct anyone. He says those who are spiritual. And he realizes how the way he says it. He says those who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 through the beginning of 25 says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, and correcting his opponents with gentleness. There it is again. We are supposed to correct with gentleness. But there's one little thing that's different about this verse. He says, correcting our opponents, the people who are, we are against, people who we may not like, we may not see eye to eye, we may not agree with. He says we need to correct them in gentleness, not to puff ourselves up with pride. In 1 Peter 3, verse 4, it says, But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. A gentle and quiet spirit is very precious to God. And it, is, it has imperishable beauty. If you think back at that thing you had in your mind, one day it's going to break. 
it's going to rust maybe. It'll decay. But God says that a gentle and quiet spirit will never decay. It is imperishable. In conclusion, we've studied what God's kindness looks like and what our kindness should look like. But the big question is why? Why are we supposed to be kind? And as I previously said at the start, we have an answer. Number one, God told us to. And number two, because God first loved us. I will now turn the services over to Brother Gavin. I want to thank all of y'all so much for being here tonight. Thank you so much, Brother Kalen, for leading that song. It's a really good song. Singing was beautiful tonight. My lesson topic tonight is going to be on hope. Now I want to start with a story about Elijah. Now Elijah had just killed 85 false prophets. And Queen Jezebel just heard about this. And she sends a messenger to him saying, By this time tomorrow, you will be like those false prophets. You will be killed. So Elijah is running for his life right now. And it says later that he goes into a cave. And he lodges there for a little bit. And he's without hope. He's hopeless. He's scared and he's depressed. Now he's praying diligently to the Lord, saying, Lord, please take my life. And, Lord, and the word of the Lord came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah says, Lord, there are no other righteous but me. And the Lord said to him, there are 7,000 who are righteous, who haven't kissed the, haven't kissed Baal, who haven't kneeled to him. The Lord gave him hope. Now maybe tonight you are just like Elijah, and you, you've lost your hope. Now it may be that it may be financial problems. Maybe that you're in a leadership position, and no matter what you do or what you fix, nothing's perfect for the followers. Maybe it'd be you lost a loved one. That takes years, a long time, to just heal. Maybe you have, you're a parent, and you have a rebellious child who has a hardened heart. Now, hope is very important. Hope acts as an anchor in all the storms and hardships in our life. Hope is our helmet and protects our mind from all the difficulties that life throws our way. If we are hopeless, we might be like Elijah before the Lord appeared to him. So I want to ask you all this question. Why do we need hope? Now, a reason why we need hope is because hope saves. In Romans chapter 8, verse 24 says, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? Who wants to go to heaven? I know that all of us here, the reason why all of us are here tonight is because we want to go to heaven. Now Paul was telling the, uh, the Romans, the Roman church, that we can't go to heaven without hope. And that is why we're studying hope tonight. It's because it is necessary for our salvation. 
Another reason why we need hope is because hope helps us lead uh, others to Christ. And 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and with fear. Another reason why we need hope is we need it for our evangelism. We can't do something that we do not believe in. Now when the storms of life come, how do we react? Do we praise God? Or do we moan and mourn or complain and groan about it? Or do we praise God knowing that it brings endurance and strength? Now I'm reminded of Job. Now he lost everything. He lost his children, he lost his wealth, and he lost his health. Now, I'm not a parent, but I can't even fathom losing my children. But not only that, he loses his wealth and his health. Now, he can't even provide for his wife and, his, uh, and himself because he lost his health. But you know what he said? He said, Yet yeah, I know my Redeemer liveth. Another, my third reason tonight of why we need help is because it helps us with the storms of life. In Hebrews chapter 16, verse 9 says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil. Life is full of hardships. We're, we will experience the loss of a loved one, persecution, Lots of possessions, heartache, and tribulation. Hope reminds us that this world is not our home. It acts as an anchor in every storm of life. We realize through hope that no matter how hard life is, heaven is going to be worth it. My second question tonight is, what is hope? Now, desire plus expectation equals hope. But what what does desire mean? Forsaking everything that distracts us from the thing we want. Now, say 20 years from now, I get really, really overweight. And I desire and want to get skinny. Now, I'm going to get rid of all the little Debbies in the house. I'm going to get rid of all the bread, all the sugar. I'm going to do what's necessary to get fit. Not only that, but I'm going to work out every day and run and just do the necessary things so I can get skinny. Now, the desire of heaven means we are all in. All to Jesus I surrender. We forsake all the things that distract us from our spiritual duties. We change our habits and make time for Bible reading, evangelism, prayer, worship, and fellowship. Now, a lot of us are in school, we're starting school, and a lot of us are working. Now, when we get home, we don't need to be watching countless hours of movies, playing countless hours of games, reading, uh, listening to that favorite podcast until you go to bed, and reading that favorite book that you love. Now, those things, they're not bad. But when it becomes bad is when it, that takes away our time from reading our Bible and doing all those things. Now, what is expectation? 
Expectation means we have confidence in God's promises. Paul said to be steadfast, unmovable always, abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain. You know the labors you are doing are paving the way to heaven. It means you believe with all your heart that if you, that if you have faith and turn your back on sin through repentance and are baptized into Christ and walk in the light, that when you die, that you have a crown of righteousness that awaits you. So how do we get hope? In Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the word of God gives us hope. But how does the word of God give us hope? First of all, by reading the scriptures, it increases our faith. As a result of our faith increasing, it changes the way we live each and every day. And secondly, the Word of God, which is also called the Sword of the Spirit, causes the Holy Spirit to walk in our life in such a way that produces hope. God gave us hundreds of stories and examples that we can uh, lean upon and give us strength in every obstacle of life. My last uh, scripture that I'll be reading is Romans chapter 5, verse 2 through 5. And it says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace, in which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our heart, hearts by the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Do we rejoice in our sufferings? If we have strong faith, we thank God for our hardships. For when we suffer, we gain endurance. When we endure hardships, it produces character. When character is produced, hope is born. Now God designed life to be difficult. For if life was easy, why would we need hope? Without hope, it isn't, it's impossible to get to heaven. We can't bring souls to heaven without hope. Hope is an anchor. We must study our Bibles to obtain hope. God designed life to be hard. If it was easy, why would we need hope? Praise God for the storms of life, knowing that he is preparing us for heaven. If there is anyone here who is suffering with depression, sorrow, or, or anxiety, then like that of Elijah, maybe we need God to open our eyes to heaven our home. Now God, with his abundant mercy, he sent his one and only son to die for each and every one of y'all's sins. Now we didn't deserve that at all. And we sinned against him time and time again. Now he did that for us so we don't have to suffer hell for eternity, to die the second death. He did that so we can be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, if you haven't had that hope yet, or if you haven't obeyed the gospel, or if you need the praise of the church, please come now as we stand and sing the invitation song. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.